New music, new season, fresh start. Welcome to We Are Going Up. On the phone right now to speak to us is Mr. Kevin Davis. Let's speak to the former Bradford Wolves, Barnsley and Doncaster striker Don Goodman. The former England, AC Milan, Watford and Bournemouth striker Luther Blissett. Mark Warburton, the manager of Brentford, joins us now. Mark, very special guest for our 100th episode, uh, the uh, captain of Fleetwood Town, Mark Roberts. So uh, earlier today, me and DC spoke to the Bristol Rovers manager, John Ward. Continue to have sex and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't do that. Sorry. It's a really good opportunity to hopefully see a change towards the introduction, ultimately, of safe standing. This hasn't come from the Premier League. It's come from the FA, who are meant to protect lower league clubs. You also signed Steve Grizovich from Liverpool Reserve. That does tell you how long he's been in the game. He signed Steve Grizovich. I could honestly make a case for us not getting back out of the bottom two all season, and it really pains me to say that. Can we do a parody of this? The Football Supporters Federation Awards. <laughs> of course. 20, this 2013. <laughs> the nominees have been announced. And we're on the list. Now, I'm going to try and find this text that I got from you last week, which was something along the lines of, have you seen who's been nominated in capitals? What are we doing on there? <laughs> My in-law's a big Liverpool fan, so I thought I can't not go and have a picture with Louis Suarez. It's still a really nice man, though. And I believe you asked him if he was interested in the move to Vicarage Road. He didn't understand. <laughs> one one job. job. You, you only had one job. Oh, oh chance. It's a goal. It's a goal. In the middle of your runs about food. Betting on Carlton Matlock has been suspended due to unusual betting patterns of what one bet. So that's Wilcox, ridiculous bit when he walked out of the tunnel. It was like X Factor. <laughs> do, do, do. Let's all do the conga. Do, 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 do. We bring a somber longer. We've got the Football League covered. What a season. Hello and welcome to episode 132 of We Are Going Up. It is our last show of 2013-14. I'm Mark Crossley and I think for the first time this season uh, we have a completely full studio. Everyone is present and correct, including a man who found time to be at a League Two playoff final and a wedding this weekend. David Cameron Walker is here. Hello. How was the wedding? It was good. How did your best man duties go? A triumph. Yes? Yes. Went as well as I could have hoped. Speech go well? Any one-liners for us? Um, no pressure. There, I, it was it was picture based. I had I had visual aids. Uh, doesn't, so it doesn't, doesn't really work, work on, on, a, on an audio format. No. <laughs> Did you manage to keep up today with the championship playoff final? Uh, no. Or was I, that not I, really a priority? I, no. I was in a barn. Very poor three G signal. You were in a barn. Couldn't really check wow. my. Well, I was doing this speech pretty pretty much as Bobby Zamora was scoring the winner. Actually, so would have been bad timing for me to check <laughs> at, that, at that moment. OK, uh, Jim Knight is here as well. Hello, mate. You well? Yeah, very we well. We had a lovely time at the cricket, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Last week? Yeah, we didn't get too wet, did we? Apart from the, the biblical, biblical storm, which, by the way, just as we're recording this, has been an absolute biblical storm in central London right here. David Cameron Walker is not happy. <laughs> no. He's a drowned rat. Uh, Karl McQueen is here. Hello. Who, from uh, social media this weekend, seems to have spent his entire bank holiday weekend collecting football stickers and trying to arrange swaps for the World Cup. I'm in too deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was warned. You've, I was warned. I a few packets. It won't matter. But yeah, Do you need to complete set. I've got, I've got a lot to go still. Can, uh, can, I'm really struggling on Group H. 
Nigeria and Belgium. Can the yeah, We Are Going Up listenership help you? Yes, they can. Okay, please. Get in touch with Carl on Twitter if you've got World Cup swapsies. Uh, It is a very special show this week. Uh, It's the last one of the season. It's basically the end of term, really. Uh, Coming up, we've got the final ever edition of My Club. A very special game is going to happen at some point related to that. We've got a very special announcement to bring you later and the climax of any Football League season, never mind the playoffs. It is all about that we are going up end of season predictions look back how are we all feeling about that Christ mm, yeah. <laughs> not good collective dismay on that side of the room um, I've actually got proper score sheets here and everything so we're going to do this properly we're going to find out who's the actual winner later the bottom. Um, so all that to come and uh, the Football League doesn't stop in terms of stories because Charlton and Tranmere just appointed new managers I believe in the last couple of days and it has been another season dominated uh, by managerial changes later we will cast our eyes back over a dramatic nine months but first we've got the small matter of the playoff finals to review uh, DC was at Wembley on Bank Holiday Monday to watch Fleetwood clinch their sixth promotion in 10 years. They beat Burton Albion 1-0 in the League 2 playoff final uh, to complete an incredible rise for the Cod Army from the Northern Counties League to Bramall Lane and Deepdale, and that's in just a decade. We will salute Graham Alexander's achievements uh, later on Sunday as well. An incredible League 1 playoff final, which ended in heartbreak for Russell Slade and Leighton Orient. The O's surrendering that two-goal lead to an Alex Ravel-inspired Rotherham, who won 4-3 on penalties and Steve Evans did that jig down the touchline and nearly lost his trousers in the process so we'll talk about that later first though only one place to start this week Wembley Stadium Saturday afternoon 4.47pm uh, Junior Hoylets cross Richard Keogh with that miss hit clearance and the sweet left foot of Bobby Zamora last minute the 10 men Derby County down and out QPR with a first and only shot on target promoted to the Premier League the ultimate smash and grab and perhaps in part thanks to uh, Gary O'Neill and the richest red card in the history of professional football. Uh, impossible not to feel sorry for Derby, but for QPR, a team expected to go up, it was the goal that finally sent them up. Charlie Ashcroft is a regular contributor and the producer of the QPR Open All Ours podcast. And you might remember we had Charlie on just before the final a couple of weeks ago. So we thought given uh, the result, it would be a good idea to get Charlie back on the phone. And I'm pleased to say that he joins us on the line right now. Charlie, many congratulations. Uh, simple question to start with. How did it feel when that Bobby Zamora strike uh, hit the back of the net? Incredible, honestly, Mark. Um, I, it was a combination, really, of sort of unbridled joy and just sheer disbelief that we'd managed an attack. <laughs> well, what did you make of the game? I mean, as you said, you weren't exactly um, particularly exuberant during the game, your first attempt on target. What did you make of it? Um, I thought we looked pretty competitive and matched them first half an hour or so. We seemed to be keeping them at bay. There was a little bit of a sense that there was more to come from Derby. And when they had that penalty shout turned down, it seemed to spur them on into being slightly more dynamic when they were coming through on the front foot. And I think, as I said just a couple of weeks back, it almost felt like we had set out to try and break it up, be a bit more solid and almost frustrate them for the majority of the game and then potentially attack a little bit later on. We weren't creating a great deal in those early exchanges despite looking quite good on the ball. And obviously that game plan perhaps went out the window when O'Neill got sent off and suddenly we it was almost like shades of a couple of years ago when we were playing Man City on the final day and they ended up coming back to win the title. We at times it looked like it was a back seven, back eight, just to try and keep Derby at bay. And I think that we did get them quite frustrated in the end. They were creating quite a few chances, but nothing really looking like 
the one to trouble us, the one to unlock the door, because I thought Richard Dunn, Nederman Nua and the rest of the defence and obviously Robert Green were absolutely immense. In hindsight, Gary O'Neill's red card looks a bit of a masterstroke, doesn't it? <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure you weren't saying that at the time. At the time, I... <laughs> I was a bit confused at first because I didn't know whether it was, he was last man because from where the angle we were sitting completely like from on the sort of diagonal in the far end of the stadium I thought were people going to cover that or was Russell just going to get through and get a shot on goal looking back absolutely incredible thing to do one really one to take for the team because you sensed that Russell would have been through probably the first clear opening he'd had on goal um, one-on-one with Green probably back him to score in front of their fans um, O'Neill did what he had to do the professional foul in the oldest sense of the words and uh, it's proved very lucky because you know it's that gamble of going down to 10 men and potentially having to withstand half an hour maybe another half an hour if extra time came about uh, of pressure when you've just got 10 men and we didn't look like we'd be able to actually forge an attack and it was obviously with <laughs> some surprise that we actually managed to get that get that foray forward as, as injury time approached at the end. Um, I think it is important to give that defence credit because I know judging by the Twitter reaction a lot of fans were um, less than pleased that QPR managed to, to nick it in that fashion and I think a lot of the neutrals wanted uh, Derby to win uh, but if you you know a lot of things could be um, said about uh, Harry Redknapp this season but the one thing that QPR have done well continually all season is defend like that um, and I'm interested to know how many of that defence you think will, will stick around to, to give it a go in the Premier League Yeah well firstly I mean yeah I, I completely agree with you in terms, I think we were second only to Brighton in terms of number of clean sheets across the season and a real togetherness in terms of how solid we were the fact that he managed to forge a defence where you got uh, a guy like Clint Hill playing left back against some speedy wingers, you know, just shows how much they're defending and have been defending as a unit. I did read as well that Richard Dunn was the first man, well, like he he got his head to 10 of Derby's corners. I think they had 14. So it just kind of shows you what a man mountain he was. And apart from giving away the ball in the lead up to O'Neill's red card, I thought O'Neill had a great game as well. Um, in terms of next season, You'd obviously think that Simpson and Anua being the slightly younger members of the defence would still be there. It's difficult with Clinton Hill and Richard Dunn. I'm not entirely sure in terms of the number of games they've played this season, they wouldn't necessarily be able to replicate that same level of consistency next year if they were to stay on. Um, I know that Clint is, I think he's one of the, eight or nine that are out of contract out of some of our older players and you know you'd, you'd want him to stay on in some role maybe as maybe a player coach I think Richard Dunn probably deserves another go at the Premier League having been injured for the latter part of his time at Villa so I'd say of the starting back four I'd say they should all stay as for how big a role they'll play across the season depends on who we bring in I suppose Bobby Tamora obviously struck the crucial blow he's had an injury hit season hasn't he he's been struggling with a hip injury for a lot of it but he's kind of been a good impact sub for you recently he's been kind of doing exactly that coming on last 10 minutes or 15 minutes and making big impacts upon the game is that something that you expect him to continue doing next year do you think he's something that he could integrate himself into the, the QPR starting 11 or is he going to have to uh, look elsewhere I think hand on heart I think he might be on his way out um, he's out of contract I know that what a way to go out though if he is going out I, it, yeah I know <laughs> he's in know QPR he's, folklore now he is in QPR folklore and having come on sort of, having returned from injury in January and been ironically cheered onto the pitch he seems to have gradually 
almost like re-ingratiated himself amongst the QPR faithful. I was um, I was in a pub on Saturday night watching the Champions League, and when the uh, the equalising goal from Ramos went in, there was a bunch of QPR fans who just started chanting, "Oh, Bobby Zamora!" <laughs> for about five minutes. I know he's honestly he's gone from a guy who was seen to be playing despite carrying an injury in the Premier League to a man who has been able to hurt Championship defences and give us something a little bit extra. You know, we we've played quite a sort of slow, patient passing game this season, and in the Championship sometimes you do have to go slightly more direct and as we saw against Wigan and then again on um, Saturday he, he kind of provided us with a slightly different outlet it caused Charlie Austin within our 10 men set up to uh, have to go left wing which didn't quite suit Austin's game but I guess you have to dig in and defend as a team when that happens but yeah Zamora I mean it would be a great way to, to have bowed out of his QPR career obviously the romantic amongst any QPR fan probably like to see him stay on due to the fact that he's got us the most important goal in recent history but I've got a feeling that's him on his way out I did see an interview with um, Ned Manua in the aftermath of the game and I think he almost like let slip that oh it seems that that's a great way for Bobby to sign off in his last game so I don't know whether there's just a pre-arranged thing that maybe he's not getting his contract renewed or maybe they haven't had the conversation yet it's just an assumption that he's on his way out along with some of the other big earners but um Sadly, I don't think we'll see him you know, in QPR colours um, come August. And he he may not be the only player that's played his last game for the club as well. Because I was having a look at the at the squad. It's obviously a very big squad. When you factor in players that are out of contract, plus your considerable amount of low knees who will, whose deals will be expiring, you're only actually left with 10 first-team players. Um, for the, you know, looking going into next season as we stand at the moment, so yeah. there's you know whatever way you work it, whether there's going to be renewals or whether there's going to be you know people coming in, there's going to be a lot of work to do in the summer, uh, and, and it's going to be difficult because you know Harry Redknapp is going to have to bring players in, Fernandez is going to have to give him some money to to do that, but you've got hanging over you this potential fine because of the financial fair play rules of the Football League hanging over you. And that's kind of sort of in a bit sort of in limbo, because obviously now you're not in the Football League anymore. Fernandez has said he's going to challenge it legally. So all of this you could do without, because there's a lot of work to be done on the team. That's right. There's a lot of uh, things that are yet to be resolved, which I think is a problem for any, I guess, for any player who might be looking to come to QPR. I don't think, you know, given what happened when we went up last time, I don't think we're in a position to go crazy in terms of being able to offer similar wages just because the automatic reaction in the wake of all these headlines even despite what the chairman says the automatic assumption is that we're going to have to trim the wage bill somehow and actually change our you know transfer recruitment policy because there's only so much mileage in being able to sign a certain number of players over the age of 30 32 for their one big payday you need to be looking at younger players who've got a little bit more of a hunger, maybe been doing it quite well in the lower leagues and look like they would consider QPR to be a step up, you know, a, a, a next step of their career rather than someone who's trying to dwindle in terms, you know, dwindle the rest of their career with one final paycheck and not necessarily care about playing. You're thinking of people like Jose Basingwa and <laughs> to a degree Park Ji Sung and, you know, players of, of that ilk who had won everything they needed to win and then were kind of coming to London for a final payday. It didn't really, it didn't, it, didn't, it obviously didn't work for, for a number of reasons. So Harry has a lot of work to do in terms of trying to balance the new signings. Yes, you need a bit of experience and, you know, we seem to be linked with all the slightly elder statesmen 
of the out-of-contract players like Rio Ferdinand and <laughs> yeah. Cole, Frank Lampard and you start to think, oh no, Joe Cole really will be not. a definite. He will definitely turn up there next season, Joe Cole. You just know it. Anyone who's had a link with Redknapp in the past always Well, that is, that's plane. if Redknapp is going to stay. I mean, we talked about well, this a yeah. couple of weeks ago. What do you think after Saturday? Do you think he'll give it one more shot now he's back in the big time? I've got a feeling he will. The chairman made some positive noises. I think, I genuinely think it might come down to uh, the physical side of it rather than I know we talked sort of briefly about you know Redknapp's injury I generally <laughs> he said again when everyone jumped on him at the end that his knee went <laughs> this knee and this this problem that he seems to be having I don't know if he's in general discomfort and isn't able to live up to the demands of the ins and outs of management and being on the training field whether it's actually giving him enough jip to the point where he might want to take a step away I still think things like Saturday give you the first to carry on so I'm I'm assuming he's going to stay but there's obviously still that element of doubt because of you know potentially his physical condition in that case it would be someone else to kind of come in and it would probably disrupt things the World Cup gets in the way a little bit and you don't quite know what the future would hold in terms of our in terms of our you know, managerial and playing staff so a lot of upheaval despite the chairman wanting a lot of consistency and stability we're faced with another transfer window of having to rebuild we've just got to try and rebuild fairly wisely because I don't think many of the returning loan players are going to stick around there's the age old debate about whether Adele Tarap should come back in whether you know people like Loic Remy look like they're going to be on their way for some decent money Brunero went away and got injured in Spain but is I think looking to I think he favours a, a return to his homeland despite not actually playing many games at Sociedad because of being injured so there, yeah there's a lot of returning players who I don't think are going to Julio Cesar is he going to come back oh, I expect so Mark <laughs> It's one of those things where Green was brought in, Mark Hughes heralded him as number one, then two weeks later we brought Julio Cesar. It was a bit weird. Um, and so I think Redknapp thought the best thing to raise Green's confidence is to just to freeze Cesar out and hopefully he puts in some great performances for Brazil and we can actually get some decent money or someone who can vaguely come close to matching the stupid wages that he's on at our club. What young players do you actually have? Charlie I mean Dave's mentioned already about the great turnover and you've explained it I mean people like Charlie Austin for example someone who scored 20 goals for you this season he's obviously going to probably need to do that again next season to ensure you stay up but what else have you got there at the club in terms of young players that you can help build on it's very difficult because the <laughs> if any <laughs> the, the youth policy has been overlooked for quite some time they've actually improved it a fair amount in recent years I think this is the highest number of this season seen the highest number of young players we've had out on loan in leagues one and two than we've had for like 10 years or something like that and you've got people like Tom Hitchcock who's actually scored on his debut for QPR coming on as a sub when Harry was trying to prove a point we didn't have anyone in depth in the striking department he stuck a stuck a youngster on and he scored a last minute winner so, but then he went on off on loan I think he's had two spells out on loan this year he's one to watch for the future son of Kevin Hitchcock who's currently goalkeeping coach at our place Frankie Sutherland's very promising in the early sort of pre-season friendlies last year thought he might make a little bit of a name for himself this year before we find people like Franchar and uh, Ben Ayoun and various other midfielders to uh, add to the squad he actually got a serious injury while out on loan Late in Orient, but he's one to watch for the future, I'd guess. Other than those two sort of headline grabbers, there's some decent, you know, some decent achievements going on at under 18 level. A good group of players being coached by um, Steve Gallen. So it may be too soon for them, you know, the Premier League. Um, they might need a bit more development out on loan in some of the, uh, the Championship or League One clubs that be interested. Um, but 
the youth policy, I think, will start to pick up in the coming years. They're looking at uh, there's investment taking place in terms of a new facility at Warren Farm, and that's said to be you know part of the legacy that Fernandez wants to leave behind. And before we move to the new stadium, we want to have a good training complex and a good youth department in place but it's it's very slow you know we haven't seen many people break through in the last five to ten years and more recently with all the signings that Hughes and Redknapp have made it's not really been that easy for any of them to get a look in so uh, I think this Premier League season upcoming may come a little bit too soon I think um, as well as has been evident over the last few minutes once you get past the the heroics of, of promotion and getting it done in the first first time of asking there's still a fair amount of uncertainty surrounding QPR so how confident how much confidence Charlie if any do you have in the team of Redknapp Tony Fernandez, you've got Amit Batia there as well uh, in terms of the, the club going forward you know being sustainable and you know well run football club that can sustain itself in the Premier League and, and be in a good position when that new stadium is finally built in a few years time because you know you, what you really don't want is to be going up and down or to you know to, having to you know, spend even more money than, than you already have so there's quite a lot of questions to, to, to you know to answer and you know, do you think Tony Fernandez and the team there can answer them? I like to think so yeah they've been like any owner you know you're kind of <laughs> putting all your faith in the truth of their words and he seems like one of the more approachable and sort of stand-up guys in terms of people who run football clubs he's you know he's got him the Mittals and Amit Batia you know they've got vast sums of wealth between them there's only a certain degree that you can run at this ridiculous level of debt and they've got to put their house in order and I think they understand that irrespective of having to fight things in the courts and fighting the size of the fine you know we've still been operating at a hefty loss for the best part of five years now going back to the Flavio Briatori days when we first went up so you know you have to try and put measures in this place in, in place to actually try and consolidate when you get up into the Premier League to make sure you've still got those those TV revenues because without them you're pretty much stuffed the moment you come down into the championship the moment you start to commit a certain amount of money on the wages of some of the big players to try and push on the moment you come down you're in big trouble and the FFP becomes a real serious issue and you end up getting fined even more you know it's it's just one of those things that you have to put your faith in them. They're making the right noises about the stadium, the new training complex, and the his, you know the, both the history and traditions of QPR going forward. But what can you do? You've just got to hope, I guess, that they've learned from their experiences last time. And from a financial point of view, can't just accept that they can write off shareholder loans just like that. You know, it's it's one of those things that has to be done properly. And I think you'll get quite a lot of clubs coming under the spotlight, not just QPR. QPR might be the current headline grabbers. But in terms of the debt that some people have been carrying, I think there's a lot to be sorted out in the next two to three years. There was a, a brilliant tweet from uh, Adrian Durham on Saturday. He was at the game uh, for TalkSport. And he said that in front of the TalkSport commentary box, there was ridiculous scenes because Sean Wright Phillips and Yossi Benayoun were actually sharing a seat um, and then and then Benoit Asuakoto turned up and there was no seat for him. And these are the players who presumably weren't on the bench. They were just in the allocated seats that QPR had, which just emphasises how big that squad has been. Uh, one thing, Charlie, I want to ask you about before, we, uh, before you go. We kind of touched on it very, very briefly at the start, but it's about the day because 
DC was there last year when Watford in the playoff final. They sadly they didn't they didn't go up. Uh, Jim's experienced agony in the playoffs with Leicester losing to that last minute penalty at Watford last season. Carl was at Wembley when Swindon lost to Millwall a few years ago. I've seen Barry lose in semi-finals recently in the playoffs. Oh. What is it like in a playoff final when you're getting absolutely battered? You're down to ten men and there's a minute to go. You think extra time and then suddenly you're on the break. The ball drops to Bobby. Just talk us through the emotions of it. Um. My first, as I touched briefly on it earlier, the, the first sort of state of it is general disbelief. It's like, well, hang on, we've, we're somehow managing a little foray. And you start to think in the back of your mind, well, if ever there was a time to nick it before your 10 men get completely knackered and have to commit themselves to half an hour extra time, you thought, well, maybe let's commit a few forward. And suddenly Barton came forward, Simpson came forward, Austin and Zamora were ghosting forward. And then suddenly Hoylet had the ball and then... You, you're actually surprised to see him get that cross and there's almost like this deep like deep intake of breath he gets that cross in you think oh Keogh's just going to hammer that clear and the full time whistle's going to go but as it fell to Zamora you almost like it's almost that weird little tunnel vision and almost that moment of silence where you suddenly hear him kick the ball you actually hear the old fashioned noise of a ball being hit even though you're surrounded by you know, 80,000 people and it just flew in it didn't even go in slow motion his shot flew in from where we were sitting and then for the moment you start celebrating you don't even realise how much noise you're making because you're so much in your own bubble as an individual fan going absolutely crackers well, I, you, uh, to be honest I could, I could have been making no noise you have my mouth open <laughs> just wide open was in disbelief it, was it hugging randomers you know people flying sort of down rows and stuff like that I had my mum to my left of me I had my dad to the right of me I hugged them both in that order and then I turned round and hugged the uh, gentleman behind me whose glasses <laughs> fell off. Um, I was obviously the row in front of him, so I was slightly low down. I felt like the short person of the hug, if you know what I mean. And uh, his glasses sort of half fell onto the top of my head. Um, and then yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary scenes and just a level of sort of euphoria that I don't think I've experienced probably for, for many a year. Perhaps the only thing coming close to it you know, on a par more recently would have been when we got promoted at Hillsborough in 2004. We went up automatically under uh, Ian Holloway's Sort of leadership. I, we I had. do. Um, I do think it's important to enjoy moments like Saturday, though, because next season you might be down the bottom and spend the whole season with all these stories about you know what's gone wrong at QPR. So it's important to savour the, those kind of moments. Completely. Last time we were in the Premier League, you know, that Premier League season last season, we won four games out of thirty-eight and were represented by a team, probably half of which were questionable characters and didn't show any love for the club. And it was a miserable old season. Even the season where we just stayed up. You know, we just about stayed up. We lost to Man City and only stayed up because Bolton couldn't win at Stoke. You know, we, there's not much happiness sometimes to be had up in the top flight if you get it wrong and it's a punishing league. So, so all the stuff we've, that's been thrown at us over the course of the last 12 months, it's, it's just those little microcosms, those little moments that you have to just soak up. You have to remember where you were, the fact that you were there, the fact that you were just chatting to people on the tube that you never met before, just soaking up all the happiness of, um, you know, a win at Wembley, which QPR hadn't done. For apparently. God's sake. Uh, <laughs> Stop rubbing <laughs> it in. Come on. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I've seen his I'm face hearing, during that. Hearing you reel off all your recent history at Wembley, <laughs> I've just, I kind of know how you feel so the previous time. You know, I'd, I'd never actually cheered a goal for my team, whether it be England or QPR in a big stadium before. So that made... The well, let's, the let's hope for your sake you're doing it a bit more often uh, next season. Charlie, thank you very much for coming on. 
and talking us through it. Thanks for having me. Have a great summer, mate. Take care. That is uh, Charlie Ashcroft from the QPR podcast, Open All Ours. And I believe you can download their last show of the season uh, today when they'll be speaking to Tony Fernandez. That's right, isn't it, Charlie? There you go. Thank you. Uh, OK, Jim, um, we need to talk about this from a, a Derby perspective. Um, they've scored more goals than any other side in the championships uh, this season, but they never really got around the, the back of QPR and looked like uh, sort of uh, opening the scoring uh, at Wembley, did they? Yeah, as Charlie mentioned there, Derby created a few chances. Um, I don't think you can call many of them clear-cut chances. I think they'll be disappointed with the amount of ball they had, particularly when QPR went down to 10 men that they didn't force more openings. I think the frustration kind of kicked in. I think the fact that they missed Craig Bryson as well was a big miss. Mm. He's got 16 goals I think for them this year it's a huge miss um, in terms of goals was that, that just player, because of his injury season, I think, was that just because well. of his injury yeah I think he I don't think he was he was going to be able to, to I don't think he was even in the playing squad I'm not sure he was even yeah, on the bench he was on the bench yeah he, came, yeah. he, came he just wasn't fit to come on yeah, he, I mean that in itself no he did come on he did come on but it was towards the end day, yeah of course yeah. sorry yeah so they missed him, I think. If he had been fully fit, you know, 16 goals from midfield is, is a huge tally, more than pretty much all their midfielders put together. So You've got to feel sorry, haven't you, for Richard Keogh, the poor fella, with that, that miss-hit clearance at the end. He looked absolutely devastated. Yeah, margins are fine. Uh, we'll come on to the League 2 player final in a bit, and it was sort of similar uh, individual mistake which led to, led to Burton losing in that one. And, and it's... That's you know those are the moments and that's going to haunt him all summer and he's got to try and use that as motivation to come back stronger next season and have a good crack at it. I suppose you you would say, you know, as, as much as I wanted Derby to go up, from a selfish point of view, they are the team who are probably better set up to deal with another season of Championship mm-hmm. football. There should be less of an overhaul of the playing squad. You know, I've, I have seen McLaren linked to the Southampton job today. Um, mm-hmm. Now that there's a vacancy there but so there might be interest in McLaren but I, I imagine he'll probably stay at Derby mm. they've got a good solid base of a squad there quite a lot of young players some experience they've certainly achieved more than they, they thought they were going to when, when Nigel Clough went uh, so it, it's you know but what I will say mm. is I gonna, I've got a feeling I, I know what you're going to say I saw say. Jonathan yeah. um, who, who came on earlier in the season for us at the Derby sort of half well, Derby fan but also a sort of semi-Watford fan as well um, get out yeah um, and he said pretty much word for word what I said after we lost the well Paris. there's a lot and of similarities he was feeling quite calm about things and not being too down, optimistic for next season, which is exactly how I felt, and I'm sure later on in the in the program you're going to very much uh, mm. embarrass me with my with my optimism at the start of the season. So you know you do want to take your chances when they come along. Yeah. This was an opportunity. You had the better of the game, and you couldn't get those goals that would have seen you in the Premier League. So they may well live to regret it, but you know I think hopefully fingers crossed they should be okay. Derby had sheer momentum all season. McLaren took over there in the bottom half of the table. You know it wasn't the case of Watford. You had a good season yeah. throughout last season. Of course. So the key is, you mentioned earlier, Dave, about McLaren being linked with the Southampton job. Is I reckon is McLaren staying at Derby. I can't see why he would leave. I, I think he, no doubt, getting Lambasco. Probably Philly owes Derby something after. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a massive affinity with the club. I, I'm pretty sure he'll be quite keen to stay on and do it all again next season. Must be utterly heartbreaking with those Derby fans, though. They were on top for such a long period, and uh, QPR went to 10, down to 10 men, but they just mm. got done on a sucker punch at the end. We should say big credit to the Derby fans for the fantastic reception that they gave to Colin Bloomfield from BBC Radio Derby, yeah. who is suffering from cancer. So our best wishes. obviously go to him Uh, the climax then of another amazing championship season QPR go up Derby stay down and one place that the Rams will be going to next season is the New York Stadium they're not from New York City they're from Rotherham the Millers are going up
Well, we had a feeling that the League One playoff final was going to be a cracker and it did not disappoint. Uh, Leighton Orient 2, Rotherham United 2. This is an unbelievable stat. The last four seasons, uh, the teams that have finished third and fourth in League One have met in the playoff final and the team that's finished fourth has won all four finals. Um, and Rotherham were 2-0 down at the break, Jim. They were they were out of it. The game had gone. That amazing goal from uh, Moses Odebarjo for Leighton Orient. Dean Cox with the second. What on earth did Steve Evans say to them at half-time? I don't know. Saw enough of him after the game, though. I think everyone <laughs> did. They've been good, haven't they, from losing positions this year. I think they've got 23 points. From best in the positions. league, yeah. Yeah, best in the league. So it, I don't think it was unexpected as such. And we did speak about this on the show last week. We expected goals and plenty of them. I think it kind of lived up to the billing. Yeah, they were very, very good. And Alex Ravel, you know, the first one is a, a scramble, a kind of a fortunate effort that it kind of falls to Well, him, really. Jamie Jones kind of came out for it and didn't really, yeah, a bit, didn't a bit really, like Casillas, didn't yeah, really. Very, very, near poor, it. very poor. Yeah. But then the second one, you know, is just one of those <laughs> moments where you just look at it and you just think, wow. And from then on, I mean, it that... kind of felt, I know Carl talks about momentum in the in the Derby uh, camp at the end of the season, but it really did feel like from then on, even though they didn't have two, it always felt like their day, I think. Mm. Once they, once Alex Ravel might as well retire now. Yeah. I've, I've seen Alex Ravel play a few times. He's played, he's played for countless teams in the Football League. He'll never do anything like that again. He may as well retire. It's not going to get any. If ever there was a goal which deserved an Alan Partridge <laughs> um, voiceover <laughs> over yeah. it, that was it, wasn't it? What a hit. Fantastic. Really good technique as well. There's a couple of really well-captured photos which capture the moment of him striking the ball. And it wasn't just, you know, an aimless hit and hope. He struck that really well, head over the ball. It was fantastic, a fantastic There was a great um, line in the commentary on Sky, which is something like, ambitious, but brilliant, yeah. as it went in the back of the net. And what a celebration to send the corner flag flying. Yes. <laughs> that was super. Don't see yeah. that as a little uh, football uh, thing that I, I like to see in football. And uh, Steve Evans down the touchline, not really what I well, like to see. Well, the football. thing with Steve Evans is he, he came very, very close. Losing his trousers. Yeah, but he could have written himself into the you know footballing folklore for all time. If he'd let his trousers go down, <laughs> that was it. That's his place secured in the, in the Hall of Fame of video bloopers for the rest of eternity. But he, but he somehow managed to cling on to them and not quite as good a moment. But so in a way, you're wishing that Steve Evans' trousers had fallen down. Yes, that's okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. Basically. Um, <laughs> I think on the point of Steve Evans, though, I mean, he is a, what a, job. You know, a man of ridicule. And we all mention him on the Twitter account, for example, and he still gets a lot of vitriol from people and they refer to his days at, at Boston United. But what's that, four promotions in a row now and he's not he's not managed at, at uh, in the second tier so it is a, a new new ground for him to, to walk on um, heavily walk on um, <laughs> but it is I think the time is now to kind of doff your cap to Steve Evans and say what an excellent job he is doing and what a mm. decent manager he, is, he has become and I'll tell you who else we need to doff our cap to is uh, the goalkeeper of Rotherham Adam Collin who's taken part in seven penalty shootouts he's won all seven and saved two penalties in every single shootout get him on the plane get him on the plane yeah. get him on. come on Roy well no yeah exactly third choice keeper we didn't we, who's the third choice keeper Fraser Forster, Forster we, yeah. we don't Forster, need him yeah. get, uh, get Colin on the plane and bring him on for pens I think that, that would be a good idea. Best strata goalkeeper we used to do that called Spider Kalak. Okay. Who is uh, like a penalty specialist. I don't know, even though he played like five games for us and we just brought him on. his name for expecting, a goalkeeper. Expecting uh, penalties. Good to, never see, um, got there. good to see Howard Webb in the crowd. Don't know if you saw that in the yes, Rotherham I event. Did, yeah. The Chuckle Brothers in the posh seats. He was uh, he was slumming it uh, with uh, with the normal people. Um, but for uh, for like we talked about Rotherham, obviously they've got a new stadium. They feel like a totally different club. Successive promotions. That rarely, rarely happens. It's not really, it's not happened, has it? Crawley with the, the last ones? But that was Conference League, yeah, league 1, league, wasn't it? League not, 2, up, up again in League 1. I don't think it's happened for a no, while. No, no, no. So successive promotions. They're a club ready for the championship and congratulations to everyone at Rotherham Pringle Frecklington they've got some great players there 
What about Orient though? Your heart has got to go out to oh, Russell Slade. A third God. playoff final defeat for him. They were 2 0 up, 2 0 up, and yep, it's up. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. Yeah, I was gutted for them. Really was. I mean, like Jim said, I think the writing was on the wall. But then, you know, they still had that, you know, half an hour of the game plus extra time, and they had a few chances. They sort of did well to stem the tide, really. Because when Rotherham scored two in five minutes, you thought, God, they're going to going to run away with it and Revel have a hat trick here. And then the penalties, it was, you know... Well, they had the advantage in the penalties as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. Well, they were going to win it. And then it was just the last two which were missed. Chris Dagnall, um, I always thought he was going to miss one, just looking from his run-up. And, yeah, it didn't um, look good, did it? No. And uh, you, you talked last week on the show about the importance for Orient of seizing this moment, 32 years outside the top two divisions. They had the chance. They played really well. You've got to say, I mean, actually, when it got to 2 all, I thought they were the better side, actually, mm. for the last sort of, a bit of normal time. Um, it's pretty even in extra time. But yeah, I mean, now Mooney, the... Uh, Mooney nearly scored a lovely goal. Yeah, he did, yeah. Actually. And now the the, uh, the question is, as we talked about last week, is that it, now, you know, now they haven't gone up, can they keep hold of the, the players and they've got in that squad and build on them? I think it's going to be tough for them. I've heard Barry Hearn talking, saying that, you know, he's going to try and keep the squad together... You know the, the the club are confident they're, they're buzzing after you know what has been a brilliant season, although it ended in disappointment. And that next season they're going to be ready to go again and keep up there. Like we we're talking about, we did the preview. You know they have finished, you know what two seventh place finishes, yeah, and plus this, so that you know there are an upward curve. And it's it's always tough, I think, to keep when you have a good season in the football league, whatever division it is, and you don't go up. It's, t- it's tough to keep your best players. It's, it's just the nature of, of the beast. But so you, you're going to maybe have to be realistic and say perhaps Moses Odebeju might be one that attracts interest. Maybe Dean Cox, who's a player that's impressed at this level for a long time now, maybe a championship team might take a punt on him. You know, Lisby's old, you know, quite old now. I don't know, necessarily think he'll be going anywhere. Mooney's had a great season, but in the past hasn't looked that spectacular. So maybe he'll stay. So you can look at it both ways. They've got to keep, you know, the core of them. But then as with any club you know even when you have a successful season the key in every summer is to is to refresh the squad and bring in a couple of players that can add something next season so if they do lose some players it's very important that they try and replace them it's not going to be easy um, and it's going to be a big mental challenge for them to come again next season but it's, it's not impossible it's you know far from it just but, look at Brentford yes yeah, exactly they don't have to look too far away from that just look near the other side of London and see what Brentford did as well, we didn't have too many changes. They just need to be able to be able to do that, whether they will or not. Is, you know, is always you know, a bit of potluck. But. Well, there was um, there was forty three thousand people there for the uh, the League One final, I believe. Uh, just fourteen thousand for the League Two final, and I find myself contradicting what I said about Fleetwood's fans the other week because I found myself feeling quite angry at all these people having a pop at Fleetwood and Burton for only taking a collective 14,000 to Wembley because the populations of the towns are not that big. You know, well, it's Fleetwood's population is 20,000, I think, isn't it? Yeah, the the small, I think the smallest town to have a football league club, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I, I spoke to a couple of people on Twitter about this as well and I was in the camp that this was quite low, but the more I looked at it, I thought the argument could be, had this game been at Old Trafford, Fleetwood uh, in the centre of Manchester is a lot closer. The nearest comparison was... But I don't Stevenage think people didn't go to Wembley. versus Torquay, which had 11,000, what, 2011? Yeah. Happy to be corrected on that year, but when that was held at Old Trafford. But bear in mind, Torquay going to Old Trafford isn't yeah. exactly I don't think road. people didn't go because of, of the distance. I just think they don't the go because they haven't got the fans. Thing, have they? Well, the cost is going to be But look where they've well. come from, though. To look get where people, they've come from. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. two effectively, well, Burton perhaps less so, but they're two like, non-league clubs, basically. Well, if, you, if you look at it proportionately, I think both of their average attendances are just shy of, th- of three 3,000. 
So the fourteen thousand there, mm. you know, take off five hundred. Fourteen thousand for, for, for a League Two game. I know there was a lot more in the playoff final in League Two last year, but it's not the end of the world. Is Both it? clubs the, are adding, well, are adding, you know, more than doubling. Yeah, well, you you were there, so you were at the game, so yeah. you can tell us what it was like. What was well, it? Was the atmosphere good? Well, it, it actually was. I, I was sitting. Um, you watched before we went out to to, to the game. And you see you on the screens inside Wembley, and you think, Christ, it's, there's no one here. It's going to be like it's going to feel like a non-league game. It's going to be rattling around the stadium. But when we got out there, actually, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was quite good. On, all the fans were on you know on the bottom level. Mm. There was you know the main hub of each of each team was behind the goals, and they were making noise. You know they both had times when they were up in the game, and they both you know had periods where they were making noise, and and you know it. it it looked bad, perhaps on TV hmm. and to, to the naked eye, but hmm. it sounded quite impressive, and it was still good atmosphere. And like you say, look, what you can't ask for much more. You know, they don't have a lot of fans; they're small places, yeah. and they did their best. It's a, you know Bank Holiday Monday; it's a long way down from for both of them. So I don't think you can expect too much more of them. What about the game then? Fleet would have been promoted. It's their sixth promotion in ten years from uh, the Northwest Counties League to League One. They're going to be playing, you know, the likes of Sheffield United and and Preston next season. It's an incredible rise. Obviously, it's funded by money. There'll be people listening to this. To think, well, they've just spent their way up there. Yeah, a, lo- can, a lower can, league Man on City. That, on that point, though, I, yeah. I want to make a point on that. It annoys me this. I, I've got absolutely no problem with any team that spends money and, and achieves success in football because show me a team historically in football from the top of the game right down to the bottom that's achieved any sort of success over over you know more than just a one-off mm. that hasn't spent money. You yeah. know, they act like just you know it's a modern phenomenon. I think it, what Nottingham what's... Forest right when you know, people look back at the, the wonderful things Brian Clough did with Nottingham Forest, they were the first team to spend a million pounds on a player in English football. Yeah. When Liverpool were, were ruling the roost mm. in the seventies, they paid the most wages. It happens. Well, it's happened for for hundreds of years. I think I think uh, some fans have got this complexion that oh they're not a football league team they're they're, like, they're a non league team they're, they've just spent their way at the top. Well, surely it's open. The whole point of the pyramid that goes below the the football league is that anyone can get into the football league. Yeah. So if they've done it, then I don't well, see good the luck problem. To well, well I mean, done, maybe well done even, to Andy Pilling yeah. for, for putting maybe, the money in and maybe, running um, it well and, and yeah. having success. Maybe if it's at the expense of my team, I might feel slightly <laughs> differently. But, but the thing, that's but, different. But isn't it's it? your you know your team. Just as liable as any other team yeah. to somehow come into some money, you know, it could happen to you. It could right. happen to kind anyone. Has happened, yeah. Yeah. And, and like got it. I mean, I'm not saying that I agree with this, but there is a legitimate line of argument which says that financial fair play isn't actually fair <laughs> to the teams that get penalised by okay, it. Yeah. You know, just to play devil's advocate. So it, it, it is a free market, and people can do what they want. And it's down to down to clubs to try and maximise, uh, you know, as much of their potential as possible. And if that if that is, means spending money and going up, then fine. And I don't I don't think Fleet would have done anything wrong. They've, Jim, won, it, they've won it on the pitch at the end of the day, haven't they? Jim Dean Linus, he came for that 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 free kick, yeah. and he was in no man's land, wasn't he? He was poor fella. He was uh, Monday's Richard Keogh. It was it was disappointing because I thought I watched the game and I thought Fleetwood deserved it massively on balance. Burton were on the back foot for the vast majority of the game, and it was one of those where you felt like Fleetwood had shaded it, but I kind of felt bad for Burton because. They repelled all these kind of potent attacks by Fleetwood and, you know, they'd got away with it to a certain extent. And then midway through the second half, the keeper to just come like that. It's just such a poor way to let that lead, you know, to, to lose the, the lead in the game, basically. Were you impressed by Sarcevic, scored the winner? I definitely was, because I had money on him to score first. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> yeah, um, but he did look... One of, well, how much one did he get, bit, more importantly? 40 quid. 40 quid. Not too bad. Um, he did look uh, one of the better players. The only money you'll be winning from bets this season, yeah. as we'll soon find yeah, out. I've ended with a, with a whimper. Um, but 
you know, he looked comfortable on the ball. He looked like he didn't probably didn't have his best game of the season, but a lot of fleet was good play, good possession that they had came from him. He looked like he was prepared to try something. Had a few long shots. Was prepared, you know, you could see that he had some ability and that, he, that he's a good player. You can see why he scored the good goals he has done this season. I think as the game as a whole, Fleetwood probably shaded it and probably deserved to win it despite the error, unfortunate error from the Burton keeper. Burton. They were a bit frustrating on the day. You can see how compact they are. You can see why they haven't conceded many goals, mm. but you can also see why they haven't scored many goals as well. Because for all their good work at the back and their resilience, every time they got it forward, McGurk was brilliant at holding the ball up. Mm. His first touch was superb. He would get it up to him every time, even under pressure. He's bringing it into his chest, first touch, superb. He's knocking it out wide, knocking it down to Key or whoever was coming forward, but he'd never get it back. <laughs> he'd, he'd knock it down, you know, just knock it out wide, get back into the box or, or, or get forward. And they were never crossing it to him. Hussey had loads of space. He was in acres of space constantly, but he was never getting the ball. And when he did get the ball, unfortunately, his delivery wasn't good enough. So going forward, they just posed no real threat. Key had that great chance in the second half, difficult over his shoulder, but, you know, didn't take it down. He didn't take the chance. And, you know, they can't really have many complaints. Did you see that Billy Key's wife was in labour? And he played really? two hours, two sleep, hours sleep. Yeah. Yeah, he said, uh, oh, but I can't help you. Me. Go back to the, the issue of goal scoring: forty-seven goals in forty-six games. They yeah, scored in the regular season. Only the bottom four scored fewer than that. Uh, you're, you, I mean, you're going to struggle to go up any just, time, let alone. No, no, no. No, I, I agree, and I just wonder. They brought Zeli Ismail on towards the end, and. He, he, you know, immediately as soon as he came on, he was running at the fullback, putting a few mm. good crosses. He won about three or four corners, which they subsequently weren't able to take advantage of. But, you know, in a big game, I know it's. Was he know, unfit? I think that might have been the reason he well, started maybe, from the bench. Well, if, that's a, if that's the case, then fine. But, you know, he, he maybe should have come on a bit earlier. He looked okay. like he could have been that spark that, that, that they needed. And it, I was watching, it was, I was right on the halfway line. Uh, so I was underneath the trophy presentation oh, yeah. uh, when Mark Roberts lifted it. But I was sort of. We, we tried to get him on the show today, by the way, Mark Roberts. I but, think he's, uh, yeah, he's yeah. probably otherwise engaged. Yeah, out, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and I was sort of looking at that, but also turning around and looking at the pitch as well. Uh, and and um, Gary Rowett has since said that he wanted his players to not go down the tunnel and stay mm. on the pitch. Watch this trophy lift because I want you to, you know, use this as motivation. And you could see he was stood there with a cup of coffee, wasn't he? Yeah, he was right in the tunnel, and you could see how gutted they all were. And you know they they're going to have to do it again because they had disappointment again last season. They've gone one stage further this season and they've not done it. So I think you know the season before last they were very attacking, scored some spectacular goals. This season they've not scored enough. Hopefully if they can combine those two things, next season could be the magic formula. Okay, well I guess that is that. Uh, congratulations once again to QPR, to Rotherham, and to Fleetwood. Commiserations to Derby, Orion, and Burton Albion. Most fans involved have probably had a heart attack at some point over the weekend. But as a neutral, there is nothing better than the playoffs. I think we can all agree that. Uh, we are nearly done for this season but not just yet yeah, thanks guys cheers <laughs> still next, to come see you next season still yeah. to come we've got a couple of uh, announcements and the highlight of the season in many ways as we listen back to those pre-season predictions we're actually going to do them um, now we'll though discuss. <laughs> now, he's uh, off he's actually gone um, now though we're going to do the final edition of my club uh, we have got a special game to play in just a second but first I've said this every week so I'm going to say it one more time it's the part of the show where we hear from a fan in 125 seconds all to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League and today it's the turn of Plymouth Argyle. This is We Are Going Up, my club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Damien Allmark and my team are Plymouth Argyle. So Damien, do you remember your first ever trip to Home Park? I do, it was uh, 2002 or 3, we played Leighton Orient and beat them 3-0. Who was the first Plymouth player you saw score a goal? Uh, that would be, oh Christ, Ian Stonebridge, I think. But who's been the worst player, more importantly, that you've seen play, Damien? Worst player I've seen play? 
Um, uh, I'm going to go with Rory Patterson. He's the only man who's ever made me leave a ground early. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Um, got himself sent off after scoring the only goal in the game. After just like, being a complete moron. That's not be cool. We signed him from the Irish Premier League and then sent him back there after a couple of seasons. OK, your, uh, your best moment supporting Plymouth? I'm kind of torn with this one. I think I'm going to go for the purely... Um, purely revenge-based was going up to Leicester City and beating Ian Holloway's Leicester City oh. in the season that sent him down. Jim, anything to say on that? No, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to look at the league tables and be happy. That's fine. That's <laughs> absolutely fine, but it, it was nothing. It wasn't a Leicester City thing. It was an Ian Holloway thing. <laughs> it was an Ian Holloway thing. Okay. Um, your worst moment as a Plymouth fan? Obviously, you've had all the trouble with the administrations and it, uh, all the off-the-field stuff. It's been pretty grim over the last few years. It's, it's kind of difficult to pick a, few, pick a minute. I, I don't know if it counts as a moment, but there was that ongoing saga when when the, the administrators were refusing to sell the club to the person that everyone in Plymouth could see was the right person instead of someone who was blatantly as bent as a £9 note. So Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm not sure it's alleged anymore because he got okay. done for tax evasion. It's our last show of the season, it. mate. We don't want to get sued. Come on. <laughs> um, and <laughs> your, your chairman at the minute now is uh, James Brent, I believe. That's right, yeah. How's the, how are things going under him? You just missed out on the playoffs this season. Just missed out on the playoffs this season. I think it's all right. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly apprehensive just because he's not a football man in his own words. But um, I think he's going to steady the ship. I think that's, going to, that's all we need at the minute. We just need to sort ourselves out, get our own house in order, and then um, press on from there. Damien, your two minutes is up, and you are the last fan ever on my club. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. There you have it then, the final one. We have done 44 out of 72 clubs on my club this season. Unfortunately, we couldn't get through them all, which is a bit of a disappointment. You didn't really do the maths at the start of the season, no. did you, Mark? I think we only had like <laughs> 47 shows. It quickly became clear that we are giving ourselves quite a considerable hole. Exactly, a mountain to climb. Um, so two shows a week, that would have been the answer. We, uh, we've got quite a few teams left to cover, so how, how do you want to get around this? DC, you've got an idea. Well, I thought we should. This is the game, by the you way. You should read out each club to us. Okay. So we'll go round in a circle. Yeah. And just word association. Okay, so one word? One word or, or phrase or Fra- anything that just pops just into, the your first thing that comes into your head. Like okay. one of those psychology tests, you know? Um, okay, send so. Send us off, aren't we, to Oxford? Okay. <laughs> so we're going to. Uh, all the teams we haven't got round to on my club, I'm now going to read them out and we're going to go round the room with those three and they're all going to say the first thing that comes into their head when I say the name of that team, okay? Yeah. Which way, which way do you want to go from? Jim, you across or? You're Jim, you're going to go first. All right, mate. Okay, so Jim, here we go. This is our um, My Club Word Association game. Accrington Stanley. Christ, average. David Cameron Walker, Bolton Wanderers. Debt. <laughs> Carl McQueen, Brian and Hove Albion. Seaside. <laughs> Jim, Nye, Burton Albion. Nearly. Uh, DC, Cheltenham Town. Horses. What? Cheltenham. Oh, right, okay. Come on. <laughs> Carl McQueen, Coventry City. Rico. That's just, that's just the name of their stadium. Get this pace up, yeah. okay. The correct uh, answer there, Cole, was Northampton. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim, Crawley Town. They'll, they'll come along in a bit. <laughs> oh, pass. Don't you know. can't pass. You can't pass. You can't pass. I don't know. Nothing about Crawley. It says it already, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Nondescript. There you go. Okay. Crawley fans, uh, Jim, what's your Twitter? <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. Okay. Uh, DC. Dagenham and Redbridge. Still. Karma uh, Queen, Derby County. Zamora. Ooh, Jim, Doncaster Rovers. Dick off. Dick off. Okay, Exeter, DC. Yuri Geller. <laughs> Carl, Fleetwood Town. Promotion. Uh, Jim, Hartlepool United. 
Jeff Stelling. Yes. Uh, DC Leeds United. There's so many. <laughs> Chilino. Cardiff. Chilino. Um, okay, Carl uh, Mansfield Town. Uh, mid-table. Okay, uh, Jim Middlesbrough. Poor. Okay. Uh, DC Millwall. You play it, Millwall. I was, was going to say something that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the H word, but I'll say uh, prostate cancer. Okay. <laughs> Uh, doesn't get mentioned enough in word association games for me. Carmel Queen, Milton Keynes Dons, franchise. Got be. Uh, Jim, God, you're not having the best draw here, mate. Newport <laughs> County, Wales, DC, uh, Northampton Town, Boothroyd, uh, Carl, Noscan Forest, Topo. <laughs> <laughs> That's one for for, for long time, long term listeners. Yeah, listeners. Topo, go on, Topo. We'll have Topo. Uh, he's listening to that. Topo, um, Jim, uh, you've got uh, Notts County. Derry. Uh, DC Preston North End. Floodlights. Floodlights. Wonderful floodlights okay. at Dale. <laughs> uh Carl Rochdale. Ooh. Uh, uh, probably the best team in North Manchester. Come I've on, said, there's one word. It begins with C and ends with S. Oh, cool. Oh, crikey, Moses. Don't send him down that road. She knows. Oh, oh, right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone was thinking that. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, Jim, Sheffield Wednesday. Disappointing. Warsaw, DC. Motorway. Wigan, Carl. Almost. And then we've got one left, York City. Whoever give, that, wants. give that to Jim, he's done very well in this. <laughs> Whoever wants it. You know what? It's not word association, but when I think of York, the first thing that popped into my head is I remember they played Manchester United in the League Cup yes. once. And did they beat them? They beat them, yeah. It was one of my, early, earliest, yeah, yeah. my earliest footballing memories. There you go. Well, I'm not really sure if that was a, a huge success. <laughs> but there you go. We did it anyway. Um, that is it for, for my club this season. Probably, in a way, that kind of... Uh, uh, sort of fitting end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to, you just got to end features. You know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. Let's have a look at the uh, the overview of the season then. Alan um, Johnson paint trophy will be coming back next <laughs> season at this rate, won't it? Good lord, no, not again. Um, one thousand six hundred and seventy-one games, four thousand five hundred and twenty-five goals this season in the football league. Uh, the most goals in League One, the least in League Two. Managerial sackings everywhere. Have you enjoyed the season, boys? Yeah. I have. I, I always, to to some degree, always enjoy the season. Basically, putting your own your own team's trials and tribulations aside, really. Mm. And in, as we sort of touched on briefly when we did the big "Say No to League Three special, I genuinely think for all the bluster that surrounds a Premier League and the people saying it's the best league in the world or the people saying it isn't the best league in the world, I don't think there can be absolutely any question at all that the football league is certainly the best of its kind worldwide. There isn't another country on the planet that has as you know much depth, as much you know many passionate fans that go so far down the pyramid as it is. And and you know season after season, the fans continue to turn up, and the football continues to mean so much to so many people. And I think that at heart is what makes it all so special. I think amen to that. It's yeah. been a brilliant season and now it's the moment we've all been waiting for. We're now going to uh, take a look back at the predictions that we made back on this show last July and August. So if you're a long-term listener, you will probably have heard these first time around. If you're a new listener, you might not have heard these. This is what we said at the start of the season. So a couple of things to say before we get going. Uh, we're actually going to score this. So I've got sheets to, to give out now. Because during our three pre-season shows, Jim and Carl alternated shows, they're going to be one team. OK, because they've not sort of made predictions for all three divisions. I don't like each. the way this goes. <laughs> like, like a Julian Roy Evans. So, yeah, I don't know who wants to uh, to mark yours. Uh, DC, 
Uh, you've got one. Oh, have we got mark of, of people's just in case. No, 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 no. You mark your own. Mark your own. So another thing to stress Jim, is you got a pen. Another thing to I've got. Uh, I've do got, this properly. I've got a pen set. There got you go. Pen. There you go. Another thing to stress is when we did this originally, as you're about to hear, I suggested uh, to the boys like who was going to be champions, who was going to be automatically promoted, who was going to be the playoff winner. So we all agree before we start, we're going to go very, you know, we're going to stick to those rules. So, for example, uh, if DC said QPR would go up automatically to the Premier League, he doesn't get a point because they went up via the playoffs. Yeah. Are we agreed? Uh, yeah. I'm not sec- I'm not sensing much uh, agreement from the middle there. Mm. Very quiet. Are we Don't agreed? We're going to have to, aren't we? Yes, okay. <laughs> the issue is if not, we get none of these right at all. Okay, then, so then everyone's got a pen. This is it. We're going to start in League 2 and work our way up. So uh, let's take you back to last July and see what we said would happen in League 2. Let's start with... Well, should we start with the two sides to go down then? Jim, who have you gone for? I have gone for Accrington Stanley and Torquay United. Okay, I've gone for Torquay United and Dagenham and Redbridge. DC. Um, yeah, okay, I'm going to stick with them. Um, I've gone for Dagenham. I think Dagenham are going to go, finally, as sad as that'll, uh, that'll be to see. But my other one is it's a little bit of a, of a curveball. I've gone out on a limb, perhaps. A bit of an outside shot for relegation. But I think the, um, the financial difficulties and the size of... The very small size of squad that Phil Brown has at his disposal at South End will see the shrimpers start. fall into the conference. But I said it was an outside bet, didn't I? I was just trying to be a bit interesting. You should always bear this in mind. This moment now, yeah, I should bear it. Okay, so uh, so a few, a couple of us got Torquay there. Did we all get Torquay there? No, oh, you picked, think they're Torquay? I don't he, 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 picked, it in. he picked two teams in the top ten. Okay, right. Let's move on to the uh, uh, to the uh, playoff winners and promotion. Playoff winners, Charlton. DC. I have gone for Burton Albion. Okay, I've gone for Oxford because I always go for Oxford. So I'm going for them again. Uh, Two sides to be promoted, but not champions. Jim. Burton Albion, Fleetwood. DC. I've gone for Chesterfield and Berry. Yes. I knew it. I wondered if Daniel someone would version, actually. Yeah, I've gone for Berry as well. I've gone, oh, for, uh, <laughs> I've gone for Berry and Fleetwood. And uh, according to us, the League Two champions are going to be... Chesterfield. Chesterfield. Come Fleetwood on, Town. In your face. I was quite not, not bad there. No. I nearly had Burton and I had a red crosses by us. So Chesterfield <laughs> to go up. No, I didn't have Chesterfield. Oh. Yeah. No. I've had solid crosses all the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, Not a sausage. This is one of my favourite clips. Top scorer. Get ready for this. I think we all know what you put for this. And top scorer. Jim. I'm with Gav on this. Mark Richards. I've gone Rennie Howe. I've gone for the same as one of you. Okay. Which one could it be? I was toying with Rennie Howe. But I then did talk when... up Richards earlier, but I think Gav Rennie Howe is where my money will go. There you go. Well, you're mentioning Rennie Howe there. How many goals did he score this season? Pathetic. I think it was like two. Three or something. Okay, right. So, um, What a joke. What are the scores? I'm on one, right, so far. Nothing. We've got two. Okay. You've got two and, and you've got nothing. Zero. Okay, okay. let's move on to uh, League One then. We're going to start at the top. Promotion and playoffs. This is where it gets quite confusing. I think we've got quite a lot of these right, but in the wrong places, if you know what I mean. Here we go. Let's start with the team you think are going to be League One champions come May 2014. David Cameron Walker. Uh, I can't look anywhere else than Brentford. Okay, Carl. <sighs> I was going to say Brentford as well, but uh, no, I'll have to say Brentford. You know, they've kept this team just as strong as, as before and they've brought in some very astute signings. I don't think that penalty miss and that playoff final defeat will affect them that much. I really don't. Okay, I'm going to go for Peterborough. 
um, to win the title, which means that none of us have gone for Wolves, which is quite interesting. Um, but I imagine <laughs> also promoted, yeah. Dave. Second yeah. place. I, I am going to go for Wolves. Yes, I thought you might. Carl? I'm going to go for Preston North End. I'm going for Wolves as well. I fancy Preston, though. They've got more value to them. Maybe that's why I'm mm-hmm. going for them. Okay. Out of that. So, so far, uh, that we've done champions and also promoted, we need a playoff winner as well. I've gone for Preston to win in the playoffs. Carl? I've gone for Wolves. They've got to be up there, haven't they, really? But um, Dave? I, I was umming and ahhing with, um, with Sheffield United. <laughs> in the playoffs? Yeah, because I think, you know, I think maybe third time lucky they could do it, but... but 15th time but lucky. I just do... The only thing is, I, I'm just looking at their squad and who they brought in, I'm not sure they've quite got enough goals. So I am going to go... Sorry to be boring, but I'm going to go with Preston. I cannot believe I had a go at you for going for Sheffield United in the plus and I went for Preston. <laughs> They've got equally bad records. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I, think th- I, think, I think with that one, we should have been said, once you say a team, no one else is allowed to say it, basically. <laughs> We're all <laughs> just about there, though, aren't we? We all have yeah. walls of Brent. Two go out of the three, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Three big teams, really, in that. Crucially, none of this is incorrect, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, right. League One relegation. Four teams to go down from League One this season. So, uh, Carl, do you want to give us your four? Yeah, uh, in no particular order, I'd go Colchester, Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury, Walsall, and just because I can't say Swindon, I'm going to go for Coventry on the assumption that financially they may end up going into administration. They're already in administration, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. More points, uh, yeah. Dave, who have you gone for? Well, actually, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what I've gone for first. I've gone for Coventry, Shrewsbury, Stevenage, and Colchester. Okay. Well, I've only got three. I can't decide on the fourth. Well, you're going to have to. Have to. Well, 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 Colchester, I think Colchester will go. I think Coventry, as we've discussed, they're in turmoil. I can't see them turning it round. I don't think this, the future looks good for Swindon, Carl. I think you know, you've know you lost a lot of your key players. I'm not convinced that many of these Tottenham youngsters will be quite up to the job just yet. Certainly not with you know the uncertainty over your managerial and financial situation. And I will have to say, it's going to be... I think it will be... <laughs> Some uh, world-class deliberating. Shut my eyes and put my yeah, thing down the Shrewsbury Town. Come on! <laughs> yes! I was going to say, you're overthinking it. Come on. on that last example. If you just pick one, Dave, oh. you, uh, you get it right. Swindon. <laughs> Swindon. Finished eighth. Dave's on the board. <laughs> Swindon have finished eighth. Okay, uh, right. Uh, and this is League One top scorer now. Top scorer. I've gone for Will Grigg. Clayton Donaldson could be pretty effective still at Brentford, I suppose, this season. It's a really tricky one, this, I must admit. I, I did terribly this one last year. I will go for, because you said Will Grigg, and I was looking at Will Grigg, I'm going to go for Sam Boulder at Bristol City. Yes, Dave. And I am going to go for uh, Lee Tomlin. Peterborough. Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> he looks really good at times in the Championship last season. And as I mentioned, Naki Wells as well. If he does actually move to, to Peterborough or stay at Bradford, I do fancy him to have a good season as well. Okay, so the... Uh... <laughs> The top scorers were uh, Britt Sommelong and Sam Boldock this season. I got the one from the right team. At you did, you did. High, so, um, win, so top goal score is harder. How are we looking scores-wise overall? I'm on four after two leagues. Yeah, we've got four over oh, the side as well. hello. But we got a top goal scorer. That's yeah. got to be a tie-break. I've got one. Let's see how the <laughs> championship goes. you got one. Mm. Okay. Well, let's count Dave out. Right. <laughs> this, can I just say, ladies and gentlemen, and you know, it's quite confusing because you've obviously got clips of us a long time ago and clips of us now. Now you're about to hear a clip which is from a very long time ago and the reason why will become evidently clear. We're going to the championship. For God's sake. Here we go. 
Let's uh, start with you, DC. Who have you got to be champions of the championship? I, I am really going to regret this. You're going to play it <laughs> back go to for me. Watford, are you? Time, but I am for once. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to defy my natural uh, feeling to be pessimistic and downplay expectations. But why? Why should I? I sh- we should be optimistic, as I explained earlier on. We were playing the best football in the league last season, and pound for pound. We've got a better team this season. Zola is a wiser manager. It was always the plan this year to go up. Bottom half. Watford will be champions. Top, James Knight. <laughs> Watford all the way. You're just as bad. All the way. Best team bad. in the championship by a country mile in the second two thirds of last season and they'll go up this year. I'm going to regret this as well because even as I'm about to say it, I know it's not going to happen, but I did the same with Leeds last year so we did the same again. I'm going to go for Wigan. I thought you were going to say Leeds then for a mm-hmm. I slumped back into my chair like I was Gordon Brown <laughs> in the radio studio in the 2010 election. <laughs> you did. Good reference. Not the radio station bit, right? So, yeah, so. Come for look at him. He's absolutely distraught. Bottom half, just to remind everyone there. Never tip your own team to win the title. Well, it's funny you should say that. Anyway, uh, okay, right. Uh, this is um, the runners up and the playoff winners from the championship. This is what we predicted at the start of the season. Runners up, I have gone for Watford. I am going to go for Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> But as I explained, uh, look, look, look at that well, squad, they've, and they've got they've got a decent manager in charge now who's going to get them organised. Unlike Mr. Owen Coyle <laughs> did last season, now he won't do it again. Okay, uh, Jim, Ipswich Town, going for Big Mick. Okay, so uh, let's have some playoff winners now. I'm going to go. I don't know. I'm just going to go for him. Nottingham Forest. I'm going to re- Davis. Eh? I'm going to regret this. Leicester City. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Not for me. Not for me. I I did consider as an outside shot Derby County actually because mm-hmm. I do think they've you know gradually improving. I've got half a point. No, it's a little too late. I <laughs> think if Reading managed to get that striker that Daniel was talking about, I think Reading and Nigel Adkins will take him up, uh, take them up through the playoffs. Reading. Bolton. Interesting. Two seasons in a row they let me down. Yeah. <laughs> next season. Third time lucky. Next season. Trick. Do it. Next time. Not going for Bolton. Okay. Uh, teams to go down from the championship. Okay. And three sides to be relegated. I'll get the ball rolling. Or maybe I wouldn't actually at the pitch at Blackpool. But I'm going to go for Blackpool, Millwall and Yeovil. Jim. Blackpool, Barnsley, Doncaster Rovers. Dave. Well, I'm going to go for Blackpool. To, to mirror you. It's a clean two. sweep. Yep. But the other two, I will differ from you. I think Charlton. Uh, how on earth 4-4-2 predicted Charlton to finish fourth <laughs> in the league when they've only got one real striker on the books? They've lost some, some of their better really. players from last season. And I have it on fairly good authority that the, the money situation down there is dire. Uh, I think Chris Powell, as good a manager as he is, good a job as they did last season, has a really tough job on his hands this season. I think Charlton will go down. And the third club that I think will go down is Sheffield Wednesday. You were too, you, that's quite good on Charlton. Charlton. quite close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should get a point for that. Well, come what, what, on. Only seven points off a drop. You're just picking out a thin air. At least I'm justifying my choices. <laughs> what, 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 much like you did in uh, League One. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, championship top scorer. Uh, this is the last prediction, everyone. Uh, the correct answer, by the way, was uh, Ross McCormack. But here we go. This is what we said. Okay, and a top scorer. I'm going to go. I'm really pushing the boat out on this one. I'm going to go for Jordan Rhodes. Hmm, Yeah. Bold choice for you. Uh, I am going to go for uh, Troy Deeney, our main man. He's going to play every game. He got 20 goals last season. He was in prison for two months, so he's going to get more this year. Dave's oh, stolen my thunder, Troy Deeney. Seriously, off. how yeah. much have you paid No, him? no, seriously. Dave, <laughs> okay. Dave, my, part, my money is already minute, on Troy Deeney. A little part of you that and day. That's all each way. Became a Watford fan, didn't it? <laughs> After seeing that no, glory, no tears were shed. Tears were shed. I may as well, if you can't beat him, join him. Can I just say, by the way, that 
on our predictions this week, I've predicted Berry to go up, Jim has predicted Leicester to go up, and Dave has predicted Watford to go up. If that doesn't tell you a <laughs> that lot... That is blinding optimism at its best, isn't it? It's all about this stage of the season. All three of you should look at yourself. A part of, a part of you wanted to be a Watford fan that day, and look how the tables have turned <laughs> a year on. Right, that is it. Those are our predictions at the start of the season. I've scored five points overall. DC, what you want? I think I'm busy uh, next July. <laughs> just to let you know now. I'll what you, see you in August. What are you on? Uh, one. One point? One out of... Whatever. Pathetic, is A lot. It? What's the point? Uh, I told you we shouldn't bother predicting. It's uh, futile. It's Jim, futile. Jim and Cole, your team, what did you get? We've nicked it with six. Oh, there you <laughs> go. The double what championship. Did you get? What did you Five. Five. Ah. won't want it for us. Yeah, it is. It was. Uh, there you go. Congratulations to Jim slash Carl, uh, the, uh, the winners of the We Are Going Up Predictions 2013-14. I was going to buy the winner a pint, but there's two of you, so I'm not going to do that. But there you go. Take um, off on the north. Uh, uh, that is it. Take man out of the north, but you can take the north out of the man. <laughs> that is it. Thank you very much for sticking with us uh, and listening all the way through this season it is our third season of doing this podcast can you believe we were all chuffed to be nominated weren't we from the uh, Football Supporters Federation Award early this season one of the proudest moments thank you to everyone we never did get Luis Suarez on the podcast no we didn't did we Um, so a big thank you to uh, all the guests we've had on this season we have had hundreds of people on haven't we from managers and players lots of local journalists who we couldn't do the show without and a very big thank you to all of them for putting up with us ringing you five minutes late yeah. or you know disturbing your dinner or you Absolutely. know before you're putting your kids to bed you've all come on you've all been good sports and we, we couldn't do it without you yeah now uh, we like to be honest with you the listener so a couple of things uh, to share with you we're going to have a think about how we go forward in the summer because there's a fair chance we might lose access to this studio. So we'd like to thank Absolute Radio for hosting this show, wouldn't we, for the, the past yes, three years. Yes, absolutely. But the studio that we, uh, we broadcast from um, is now going to be Ricky, Charlie and Melvin's studio. It's going to be Kiss, really? Kiss 100 studio. Oh, I like so that. when you listen to Kiss 100 good, in the morning, yeah. that is where the We Are Going Up podcast came from. So that's obviously the first obstacle we've got to overcome. And the second one, I Jim... I did not think that Ricky, Melvin and Charlie <laughs> would spell the end of Wagyu podcast. <laughs> Unbelievable, really. Um and Jim, you've got some news to share with everyone. Yeah, as of August, I'm going to be relocating away from London. Oh, uh, I thought you could get married or something. Native, <laughs> no, back to my native Leicester. Um, so Jim is uh, so, is yeah. leaving us. He's uh, moving back to Leicester in the summer, which means we're Premier gonna... League one promotion and you and you desert. <laughs> yeah. I know um, that'll so... come back to bite you. Well, don't come back to us when you get relegated <laughs> next season with a record low points total. Financial okay? going to come back to Kiss FM yeah. and see if I can get a gig there. Yeah, yeah. We'll replace you with a Derby fan. <laughs> Have you enjoyed it, mate? It's been brilliant. It's been good, hasn't yeah, it? The last uh, three years. I'm, really sure we'll, it. I'm sure we'll still get you on further down the line. Well, we'll not be re- if DC has his life on sounds a bit. My, my number will be blocked. He won't be able to ring yeah, me for me. We'll get anyone. Yeah. I'm sure every time we need some odds, we'll be ringing you up. Yeah. So uh, in my club we can do with you. We'll yeah, bring yeah, it back yeah. to you, Jim. Oh, well, that's not coming good back. Lord, I think we established that. Um, to get in touch with us over the summer on Twitter, it is at Wagyu Podcast. The SoundCloud page is soundcloud.com slash Wagyu Podcast. You can read the blogs on the website wearegoingup.co.uk. We might well give that a revamp over the summer. We'll have to wait and see. Mm. We're not really sure what's going to happen yet this season, but, but we will be back we, we in some will capacity. Be back. We, we will be promise back. you. In the words of back. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yes. we will be back. Um, as well, Cup Fever kicked in. Yeah, as for me, oh, yeah. today, actually. Yeah. Well, I think it's because I was at Wembley the other day and I was kind of looking around and just thinking, oh, you know, England are playing here soon and all the 
previews are out. The people have got their you know sticker books and 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 everything. I'm I'm bang I've up for it. I've got four swaps of Sergio Ramos. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do with them? You know, help me, someone. If you see me uh, on on the 21st of June, I have decided. I to, love this idea. Um, I've I've yeah I've got far too much time on my hands as you, as you'll as you'll see. Uh, I've I've made a Google Maps thing. I've found a bar for a bar pub or restaurant relating to in London. each country in the World Cup in London. So 32 different places. Um, all native to a country in the World Cup. Are we going to live tweet this? And I'm going to, me and me and my housemates are going to go around them all in one day and get a picture outside of each one, have something to drink or eat in each one and get a picture outside each one with a massive flag of, of each country. Are we invited along? You're certainly invited along. Good stuff. It's the same day that I think Germany play Ghana, Nigeria playing Iran and Bosnia playing Argentina or, or, or some sort of combination mm. of those teams. So there are games on that day and that, 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 well, it could be the end of me, really. <laughs> to be honest with you. Might not even be back yeah. next season. Um, I'm also going to England on Friday. Are you? I impulse bought some tickets to England and Peru today. Okay. There was still a few left. So I'm going to send the boys. I'm going, the, I'm going to give the boys a... I'm, I'm in with the with the punters this time. <laughs> okay. I'm in the cheap seats. Uh, I'm You're going taking to your cape. Give the boys and give Roy and the boys a, a farewell. I've got a story about Roy Hodgson as well. Do you want to hear that? Well, mate, Probably we're not going to be here for another three months, so you yeah. might as well go on. <laughs> Roy Hodgson, my mate, was um, when I was Champions League final last week and he was on the same plane as Roy Hodgson as you do go on yeah and somebody Roy very unassuming man got on the plane quite early doors he was there he wasn't you know he was there a good three hours before the flight was ready to take off he wasn't running through at the last minute so he was first on the plane sitting down in his seat and uh, someone came up and asked him if they could swap seats with him because they wanted to you know, change the combination and sit next to their family. Hmm. And Roy, being the gentleman that of he course, is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely no problem. But by this point, the plane was packed, so he stands up and everybody goes, "Go on, Roy! Go on, Roy!" And he's waving his stuff. And then the gentleman, absolute superb man, he he requested the flight attendant to bring everyone's boarding card down to him, and he signed the whole lot. Oh, <laughs> what a man! What a man! What a man! Um, enjoy the World Cup, everyone. It's going to be brilliant. So, you know, it's not like we're going to be without football over the next couple of months. Um, we'll be back. So if I, hang on, I'm just thinking about this. Based on, based on our, we will end this on show our, at some point. Prediction. So, who should I? So, I predict England to crash out with no points and yeah. no goals at the group stage, and then we'll all be, we'll, we'll win, won't we? Almost certainly. Well, you put money on like Bosnia and Herzegovina to win. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you again for listening this season, Jim. Thank you very much, mate. And sure we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll have you on the show again in the future. That is it. Thanks for listening. That's the end of the season. Enjoy the summer. your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
the world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.